Are we recording? No, too much, too much, too much, too much. Hey, everybody, welcome to Ducks Watch Together. I'm Josh. And I'm Keanu Reeves. I'm not doing the voice. I'm Kylie. I can't, I can't do an hour of it. And on today's episode, we talk about John Wick, Chapter 3, Parabellum. Here we are. We've dash, done it. Parabellum. What? Dash. You don't pronounce the dash. I, I don't. You, just colons. Just semicolons. So, but you did... No, just colons. Just colons? You don't pronounce semicolons. Oh, fair. No, they, fair enough. They, yeah. Sorry, you're right. You're right. But you didn't pronounce the, semi, the, the colon in this one either. It's John Wick colon chapter three dash parabellum. I am an enigma, okay? You just never know what you're going to get when you're talking about the titles, but you're going to somewhat get mostly full titles. Stahelski. His last name is pronounced Stahelski, maybe? Mm, Chad. Chad. My best friend. I've listened to, like, two or three podcasts, like, about this movie with his pronunciation and an interview with him and the first question is how no they all know Do they all just know i name? think it's stahelski i'm like not confident enough to like just refer to it that way we're gonna call him chad good friend good friend chad that's official names right there um but yeah stahelski i think that's 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 the closest i'm gonna get to to chad wow 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 yeah i'm just I'm just looking at, like, what he's done. Because I think you and I are like, oh, he's the John Wick guy, right? Well, he's also the, uh, he did some stunt coordination, um, and he was the stunt double on The Matrix also, which is how he gets involved with the whole Keanu bandwagon gang of people. And then I know he's on The Crow. Mm. And what other things has he been on? So he's been a second unit director yes. director on several things. Can I name a few of yes, them? Yes, go for it. The Hunger Games. Uh-huh. Get gr- the Grims the brother Grimsby? Grimsby? Gr- okay. Uh-huh. Is that Sasha Baron Cohen, yep. Mark Strong thing? Yep. Uh-huh. Rebel listens in it. Remember when like we were gonna make Mark Strong like a thing? We were gonna be like, You're more than just like a us? character. You actor. and I are yes. just Yeah, and so we put him with Sasha Baron Cohen and it failed miserably. Captain America Civil War. Oh, okay. And that's that's it. He was an action director on Hitman Agents Hitman Agent Forty Seven. That must have been the job sorry, he talks about after John Wick one mm-hmm. that him and David Leach thought that it was just, it wasn't going to be a hit, it wasn't going to be a thing, it was just a passion project they did, barely anyone's going to see it, like, this is fine. So they started- It's true. So they- I mean, that that one, it it makes money, but like, it doesn't do ballers. It makes like 47 million or something. It does ballers enough to, to make it be a deal. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, I think it's respected, it's well-reviewed. I think that- And it grows after it comes out of the box office. So after they did that job, they started taking second unit work again. And he talked specifically about a job that he took where he was like, oh, I took a second unit job where I could have probably taken a directing job after the success of John Wick. And I think it would have to be Civil War because I think that comes out 2016. After John Wick. In between the two John Wicks is Hitman, Agent 47, The Brother Grimsby, and Captain America Civil War. There we go. I want to say that I, I don't know if the Russos would have like given up their cap. Oh, I don't think so. So, no. um, as stunt coordinator, 
which he has done quite a few. Right. He's a stunt coordinator for V for Vendetta. Uh-huh. Next. Uh-huh. The Expendables. Uh-huh. The Hunger Games. Uh-huh. After Earth. And Catching Fire. Nice. There you go. He acts. <laughs> I don't know. What is... I don't know what this website I'm on is. It's called... Oh, I guess it's just like IMDB, but easier to manage. Uh, TMB... TMDB? Yes. What's IMDB? The movie database is TMDB. Internet movie database is IMDB. See, this one, it's just, it looks better. <laughs> it's easier to deal with. TM is, the... <laughs> um, I believe it's the international one. It's the one that Letterboxd actually pulls from. Yeah, that's how I got here. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> he acts... Because IMDB is actually was originally created and is still mostly used for by agents and casting services so that you can get a hold of different actors. It's not, it, it's popularity came because it was an easy way for cinephiles and film fans to look up things. And so then it became that, but its original source was, that's why for a long time you will see the actors details and stuff along those lines, especially in the original stuff. And then they would even in the original version, and even you'd have like a, a link for like, personal contact or things on those lines and then imdb upgraded to some form of imdb pro and that is now for professionals in the industry and imdb is what we use as as just fans mm-hmm. yeah look at me in the history of internet movie database yeah i don't like imdb okay it's just not not for any reason it's just like one, there's, like, all these things blinking on the sides. Yeah, true story. They're always like, hey, go see Five Feet Apart. And I'm just like, oh, no. <laughs> no, I will not. <laughs> okay, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> it's my main argument. I, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> but do you feel what I'm saying? <laughs> Deep. Deep in my soul. Also, like, oh, this just, this just looks cleaner. There's not as much for, like, me to go like, whoa! I'm a simplistic kind of person, Josh. You know, Kylie, usually when we BS this much about stuff, it means we don't have a lot to say about the movie. But I feel like that may or may not be true here. Kylie, we are here today to mm, talk about John Wick, the uh, Chapter 3 Parabellum, and maybe other John Wick things. Uh, but Kylie, why, why are we here today? Why are we doing a John Wick episode? I mean, I think the answer I'm going to say... Okay, let's start at the end and let's work our way back. Okay, alright, okay. Because <laughs> you said, why isn't John Wick Chapter 3 on the calendar? And I said, oh, I thought you were out of town that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't on the calendar. So then we put it on the calendar. But I think the reason why... <laughs> Why it might just be there? Okay, is because I have a little bit of a obsession. Obsession? Just you can show in that word. It's with fine. Keanu Reeves. Uh-huh. Keanu Reeves is my favorite actor, my favorite human, uh, my everything. <laughs> okay, no, it's not. He's not. He's not. I don't. I don't want to get a restraining order for a man that I've never met. <laughs> what if? What if he just walked in? What if, like, right now, Keanu Reeves just appeared in the studio? I don't really know how I'd react. Yeah? Like, Mark uh, Dukakis has a scene. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it felt too real. 
<laughs> Fair enough. I was like, oh. Um, I'd try to be cool. But it's, <laughs> it's really hard to say how I, how we would get there. Um, what were we talking about? A Keanu, Your Keanu. crush on Keanu. Might sort of crush. <laughs> it's Last okay. year we did the Keanu... Um, best performances. Uh-huh, uh-huh. The I, retrospective. The retrospective, which uh-huh. I'm not sure how we got there either. <laughs> that, we got there. We just started watching Keanu films one night, and then it just it happened. Well, we were gonna we were gonna do Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and we, you watched A Walk in the Clouds, and you were like, "No, we're doing A Walk in the Clouds." Because <laughs> I'm all about the best Keanu movies, okay? Which, like, I... Only the most relevant. (laughs) Where he's fanning grapes against the fire. It's still, like, one of his highest grossing films adjusted for inflation. It's, like, number ten. I feel sad that I haven't watched that movie in, like, a year. (laughs) It made it on the 100 list this year. Yeah! I think I now have five Keanu Reeves on my top 100. Oh, that would be a fun thing. That's one (laughs) twentieth. That's 5% of films go to Keanu. I gotta see if I got an actor that's in there that much. It's gonna be someone, like, very odd that you didn't <laughs> see coming. Oh, Paul Rudd. <laughs> oh. Benicio Del Toro. <laughs> my, my. Uh. Um. Oh. John Ratzenberger. <laughs> oh, oh, that knew? one actually yeah, might. <laughs> that just might be true. <laughs> Stupid Pixar. Whoa, 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 whoa. Here's what you can do. Yeah, uh-huh. You can say main cast or bust. Which would then only give him, like, one or two. two. <laughs> yeah. Depends on if you count him in the... Ma- where, where... I think One. Okay, you only have one Toy Story on there? I think there's only one Toy Story on there. Okay. Yeah. Toy Story 3. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Tears might have been shed when they did that segment at the at the thing, at the concert. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, also, another reason why we're doing this is because I think that we both are rooting for Keanu and everything that he Always. does. Yeah. Um, I go and I see films of his that... I wouldn't otherwise go see. Can you talk about replicas? <laughs> Have you talked about replicas on podcast? No. I remember, like, it's just, that's a bonkers movie that I went and saw, and it's bad. <laughs> but, but Keanu... Like, it had to have been shot a long time ago, because he, he looks younger. Like, a few years younger. Like, this isn't how Keanu looks now. What if they just digital affected the last two years off? I, it could have <laughs> happened. Um, that, that's a bonkers movie. I, like, could not contain, <laughs> like, how bonkers that movie is. I just told you everything that yeah. happened. Yeah, yeah, Ugh. Well, and then here we are. John Wick. Um, John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. So sorry. You brought up an interesting thing yes. a few days ago, and I was okay. really tackling it for a while. Yeah, go for it. It was a text, and I had to tackle before I sent the text. But, like, we were talking about Hobbs and Shaw, uh-huh. and how Keanu... Maybe oh, in it. Okay, yes. Uh huh. And I was like, finally, a reason to go see Hobbs and Shaw. And yes. you're like, but what about Statham? Who I do like Statham. Uh huh. However, I'm not like, you know what, Josh? We gotta go to the cinema. Statham put out a new film. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes. Like, when he pops up at something, I'm like, oh, here we go. It's yeah. time for Statham. But, like, all of his movies are the same. <laughs> Except for Spy. Spy. And, like, <laughs> Keanu has varied abilities. <laughs> Yeah, Keanu likes to do uh, the, the, there's there's the sci-fi's and then the lawyer dramas, the lawyer dramas, and the action films. <laughs> He's got two lawyer dramas, Josh. Oh, also the one where he plays a cat <laughs> for a line. Yeah. <laughs> no, in my brain, every time the cat like meows, it's just Keanu. It's definitely not. It's but what if it was? Josh, there's a video of him playing with dogs and answering fans' questions. Oh, that's kind of cute. I feel like there's one answer that you're gonna go like, it's not how it is. But oh, otherwise, what is it? He talks about Shakespeare. Oh, okay. And I, feel, oh. <laughs> and I feel like you'd be like, no. I mean, Keanu. I once did a report on this, and I did extensive research. I probably did. Let's be real. But Keanu has. Been in a Shakespeare movie. Yeah. Yeah. He loves literature. I'm going to say that Keanu has probably even maybe even been in more Shakespeare plays than I have. So maybe, who knows? Maybe Keanu's, maybe Keanu is the Shakespeare expert that we need. I think that there's a difference from being in the plays and <laughs> knowing the history of things. Can we get just an interview series uh, and it's we just... Watch, we just watch interviews of him and write the interview? No, I was going to say it's Keanu and <laughs> Kenneth Branagh talking Shakespeare. I feel like it would just be like an hour of Kenneth talking and Keanu never gets a word in because he's too polite to interrupt and Kenneth loves himself too much to stop talking. And I say that with the most kindness to Kenneth Branagh, but like, out of like most of the actors I see who don't piss me off, Kenneth Branagh loves himself the most. Okay, but you have to admit, like even if that was true, like just reaction shots of Keanu like, Politely nodding would be worth it. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Kenneth. Yeah. <laughs> this is what we need in the world. This is what we need. Um, also, we, I think, see, I like, I love the John Wicks. I think that Josh has always respected them. Yeah. And, like, likes them at the very least. At the very least, for Keanu. Yes. And the action. Somewhat. And some of the colors sometimes. Yeah. Oh, the, some of the, the colors are great. <laughs> <laughs> Big, bright colors. I'm on board. I've never really known your thoughts on the John Wicks. Uh, so my John Wick Chapter 3 ranking of my list uh, so far as of this recording on... May 19th uh, is the last movie on your 2018-19. Is very high on my list. It is, and Kylie sends me a, a screenshot of... Oh no, Kylie, you spilled. Keep going, Josh. Kylie sends me a screenshot of my list with just the words, twisty twist. <laughs> very twisty twist. So twisty. Yeah, because apparently as of this moment, John Wick Chapter 3 is... My favorite movie of the year somehow? Uh, which, I don't know, probably an indictment of 2019, more so than me lauding Chapter 3 as the next be-all-and-all great action film. Yeah, but, like, it was just a twisty twist. It was. It was a twisty twist. It was just twist. shocking. Yeah. You just log it on the letterbox, like, oh, Josh updated his... Ah! <laughs> 
actually, I don't think that's what happened. I think that I clicked over to see which Coen Brothers movies I could take. Uh huh. And I saw that, and I was like, "What the crap!" <laughs> My eyes just scanned over, and it was like, "Whoa!" You're like, "Wait a minute, that's..." Is this list backwards? <laughs> yes, because my two favorite movies of the year so far have been <laughs> What Men Want and Little. Uh. <sighs> uh, let's, before we jump in there, um, Kylie. Hey. Inquiry of the Half Squared Fortnite Time. Sure. Has to do with the John Wick series. The John Wick series has many different cameos, or, you know, large name actors being in small parts. Whether they're big enough or small to be a cameo, we can all figure that out later. What's the best movie cameo? What is your favorite John Wick cameo? Well, my favorite movie cameo is Robert Patrick in John... Or in Robert Patrick in Wayne's World. Okay, but... but (laughs) Wait, no, but my my cameo... It's so good, Josh. You go for it. You go for it. Do you know what the cameo is? No. So he's the the bad guy from T2, right? Uh Uh-huh. And so, in his cop uniform, he walks up to Wayne in the car, and he's like, Have you seen this boy? And then Wayne yells, and he drives away. Until this moment, I did not get that joke. Yes. You have got that. I, I now understand more of Wayne's world. Look at you. You've, no, you've just been like, what? Yes. I'm like, oh, they make a lot of weird jokes in this movie. Some of them land, Why some of them Robert don't. Robert Patrick holding a picture of Eddie Furl- Edward Fur- Furlong in this po- in this shot. I've never noticed who the boy was. I was like, all right, fair enough. Like, <laughs> I was like Alice Cooper in that. Yeah, Alice Cooper's a solid <laughs> one. Oh, favorite cameos in Wayne's World? Is that what we're doing <laughs> okay. now? In John Wick. Yeah, in the John Wick franchise. Uh, maybe small spoilers if one of us happens to pick somebody in Chapter 3. Can I pick Willem? Yeah. Is that a cameo? Yeah, that's a cameo. It's, yeah. it's like, he's got a few stuff, but yeah. like, like, that's really, like, weird. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> because I know, like, in the first one, we have Keanu Reeves, but... At this point in Keanu Reeves' career, it's not like, oh, you know, Keanu, biggest name in all of the world, right? Uh-huh. It's like, okay, well, you did 47 Ronin, and we're goodbye. When the first John Wick comes out, there's definitely Reeves is on down, a, a downward, downward trend in his career. And what's nice about the John Wick franchise is it helps pick him back up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, yeah, okay. Uh, but then Willem Dafoe shows up, and you're like, what the crap? They got Willem in this? And Willem's doing something, weird to say, strange? What? <laughs> but he gets his action scene in moments, yeah. and you're just like, oh, okay. Um, and I won't say that Willem Dafoe is, like, an actor who, like, is so mainstream, but, like, he was still doing work, and, like, we know him as the Green Goblin. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Um, I think the one that you're gonna pick, oh, I think is also one of my favorites, but I want to not take it off the table. All right, so I debated between two. Oh no. Um, I know it's okay. Okay, okay. let me see th- if I can figure I it out. I think we're gonna go with the one. I think we're gonna be on the same page though. The one that Halle Berry. Oh no. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about Halle Berry soon enough, my friends. Um, the one I, the one that almost got there is in chapter two. And it's good old Peter Stormare because you gotta love Peter Stormare just like showing up and just being like, I'm I'm a mob boss and uh, I, I stole your car. 
like, <laughs> just just a touch of Peter. Just a touch. It's all you need. Not not the tooch, but a touch of Peter. It's good. Wow. Uh, but no, my actual number one is he's got two of them technically. It's John Leguizamo. Like <gasps> that's not who I picked either. Oh, okay. okay uh, I thought you were gonna go with Larry. Oh, Larry. Yeah, but like because the reasons. Okay, yes, <laughs> and I can say reasons here too because like Larry and Ian McShane, like the first time you meet them in this franchise, you're like great cameo, but then they keep <laughs> they keep coming they back. They keep coming back, so it's like, oh, character stuff. Uh so John Leguizamo has two cameos. He's in both he's in both 1 and 2. It's not in 3. Uh sadly, not in 3. He's tried to kill John Wick. Oh, it would have been so Actually, sad. I don't think I don't think Luigi Luigi would have. I think what? Luigi Luigi is just or sorry, Luigi Mario. I'm just gonna call him Luigi Luigi. I'm sorry. <laughs> well he's stepbrothers, you know, Mario Mario, oh, okay. Luigi Luigi. I don't really know. Their age difference is like fifty two years maybe, or something. Maybe everything's just like that. Luigi Luigi, Mario Mario, Koopa Koopa, Princess Princess, it's fine. Peach Peach? Peach Peach. Peach Peacha. Toad Toad, Yoshi Yoshi. Now we're sounding like Pokemon over here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I miss all the Pokemon when they were here recording with us. It was good times. Sorry, do you want me to bring in all my John Wick stuff? <laughs> this is my John Wick build a bear. <laughs> this is this is my Keanu and my Larry Fishburne. This is my John Wazabo. <laughs> Here's my common. It's weird that you brought up Peter Stormare because he, oh, oh, he was the new release. Mare's a weird person. <laughs> yes. I have only seen him in a few things, and in everything that I see him in, he's just weird. Yeah. Like Minority Report, he's just quacking. <laughs> I but I just Constantine, wanna... he's great. I just want to imagine that Peter Stormare is the actual, like, just a really nice human. And he's just like got it all put together. But then when he gets on set, everyone's like, hey, can you quack? And he's like well, yes, of course I can quack. Can, can you? <laughs> um, John Leguizamo. Doc is also cool. Doc <sighs> is, like, one of Keanu's, like, friends. I know that Doc is in, because I've seen him in the act, because I watched it yesterday. He's in the Matrixes, one of the Matrixes. He's uh-huh. the key maker. Yep. He's in an action scene where we're, like, fighting in the middle of a highway. It was good times. <laughs> True story. Larry's there. Larry, Larry's always there. John Leguizamo shows up twice in this film uh, to just help John Wick get through some times. Uh, my, I think the second time... The first time is great. He, like, starts beating up that kid. And you're like, yeah, you get him. <laughs> get him, John Leguizamo. The second time when he shows up to help fix his car, you're like, I just want this movie. I just want... Restoration. The, I just want... John Leguizamo and Keanu Reeves to have some sort of buddy movie together. I don't even care what they're doing. Just put those two together and give me a whole movie for it, please. There you go. Yes. In my fantasy, my, my like, fantasy world where I make Chef 2, Keanu joins the truck. Ah, good times. What's his job? I want to just be a sous chef. Yeah, yeah, he's just, he helps make the, the Cubans. <laughs> no, he brings in some, he's like, hey guys, I've got some, some, uh, influences that I want to add to the truck. Like, can we make this Cuban and, like, one quarter Hawaiian? Like, I'm on board with it, I right? I have a pineapple. I have a... <laughs> guys, guys, <laughs> what if we grilled it? <laughs> 
or he can come in as John Wick and just chop up the veggies and like he throws it in the air and like no <laughs> no no he's cameoing in Chef Two and he shows up as John yeah. Wick in his can suit a, bloodied up. Can I get a Cuban? Can I get a Cuban with pineapple? <laughs> Do you got any beignets back there? <laughs> Except for as we learn in here, John Wick. Russian. Ah, true story. We learn his real name. His background? His real name. Alright, well, hang on. Uh, <laughs> friends, if you want to tell us what's your favorite John Wick cameo, you can do so at friendofafriendpodcast at squarespace.com. You can also find us on... can't be this high up on his, like, film popularity stuff. Well, it, it will be. It's above, one, it's a bit above Bogus Journey, Lake House, Something's Gotta Give. It can be above everything else that's here. <laughs> Those were interesting three. <laughs> well, uh, this, this the, made, the trifecta. Just made so much money. <laughs> Something's gotta give. I the mean, lake house made money. Bill and Ted's good. At the end of the day, not saying that Toy Story 4 will be the thing that Keanu Reeves is known for. Because that's not what I'm saying. I already bought the pop. It will be He's his highest grossing movie, though. Yeah, but here's the thing, Josh. Yes. Box Office Mojo may put it in gray. So it may not matter. It depends on the size of his role. Yeah, it does, really does he does. have? Does he have like a Ratzenberger size role? Does he have like a Keaton size role? Does he have um a Kristen Schell type role? Who knows? Who's Kristen Schell? I don't care. I, Schell, I don't she's care. The triceratops. I don't care. She plays the triceratops. She, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. She's a comedian. She plays the triceratops. I don't care. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. If it's a five star review or take any star my review. I don't care as like, <laughs> like to. To like your heart, I do, and then I and then I keep telling my story because what if our listeners care? They can look it up. The, but I mean, I don't want to leave them hanging. They can look it up. You can also hit that subscribe button. Be seeing you, <laughs> and that helps us get more listeners. You can also find us on Facebook at Friend of a Friend Podcast. And now on with the show. Uh, let's start here. Let's start with our histories and our expectations for John Wick Chapter Three. Uh huh. Sorry, I'm in a much more interesting letterbox page. What 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 letterbox page are you on? I'm on the Beautician and the Beast. Okay. From yeah. 1997. Yes, with uh, Fran Drescher. And? I don't know who the Beast is in that. Timothy Dalton. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen this movie. Is it your favorite? No. Is it your least favorite? No. It was on TV a lot never heard of it like lifetime would just show that and the nanny reruns in a block wow this guy who made this is a very interesting filmmaker is it chad stahelski no it's ken quapis ken quapis ken quapis is a director he what did did i say quite a few did i not say the guy who directed this yeah okay he did quite a few episodes of the office as well as quite a few episodes of parks and rec um, and then I think, I, I don't know if he's got any movies outside of that, but I know he's made a name from some. I literally just said he's got some interesting things here. Well, let's go. List it up. License to Wed. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. A Walk in the Woods. Oh, okay. Wait, the one where we're worried about Nick Nolte? Well, I didn't see it. I don't really care. I'm worried about Nick Nolte. Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Okay. One or two. First one. Okay. He's just not that into you. Well, rude, but what's the next movie? Dustin Checks In. Dunstan Checks In. Oh, I've Dunstan. seen that movie. That's a good one. He Said, She Said. Oh, I've not. Finally, we got to one that I haven't seen. And The Benicker Gang. Oh, two. I haven't seen two of his movies. Anthony, Andrew McCarthy. 
Well, this has been my thoughts. <laughs> yeah, this is your history and your expectations for John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum. Oh, expectations. Let's start there, I guess. Yeah, that's worry? why we're starting with history and expectations. Worry. Mm-hmm. Just extreme worry. You just worry. I was very worried. You saw a trailer. And I was worried. And you're like, John Wick's on a horse. And I saw that picture first. <laughs> Wasn't that picture your background for a while? No, it was him standing on the set with the colors, but he wasn't on a horse. Oh, okay. Good colors. Good I, colors. I was just... Okay, here's the thing. Yeah. Two, three weeks ago... Uh-huh. I don't know how time works. Like, three weeks ago, <laughs> comes out, like, I don't know, one of the biggest, like, films of the year. And I was like, uh-oh. Oh, no. I was just a tad bit worried. Okay. The week before comes out a film that I thought was going to do much better than it ever did about Pokemon. And I was like, uh, oh, oh, oh no. So I was really uh, worried that John Wick Chapter 3 was, uh, as, as you would say, burying itself. Mm-hmm. Um, as they are known to do to uh, put themselves near big films so that when they come out and they're bad, we don't see them. So I was worried. Okay. I was worried when it was like, John Wick's getting a summer release. Even when I just heard that, I was like, oh no, we're going to lose everything that we thought we had. You will lose everything. Um, because I think that that's what's, <clears throat> what I like about the first one is that it's a smaller, very intimate passion project and like it uses like its money to the best. Like it, it doesn't waste its money on it. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one, I think that it gets a little bit bigger of a budget, but like it's not like too big. It's released in February. I was like, that's the perfect time for a John Wick. It'll do great. <clears throat> this, that, the other. And then when this comes out, I was like, oh no, it's gonna get a big budget. It's gonna ruin everything. I think their budget is still relatively modest on this. See, I I, think I have not seen a number. There, I've not seen a number either, but also I would imagine that for a movie like this, that the whole appeal of the studio making it is that it can make money for them. And so they would want to keep... And I think Stahelski would really want control of the project, and therefore I bet he would try to keep the budget down. There is not a budget number released. Have you been to Box Office Mojo today? Yeah. Real underdog story, isn't it? That's why Wick went up to Captain America and shot him in the head. Stay down. <laughs> yeah, John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum estimated $57 million is the one to knock off Endgame. And an Endgame only spends three weeks on top, only three, three's a lot, three weeks on Especially top, nowadays. yes, of the box office. That's right. John Wick Chapter 3 taking him down. People said, no, we're done with you, Avengers. Yeah. We can only sit in a three-hour movie so much. We can go to a two-and-a-half-hour movie for days. I know. <laughs> I was I was on the way to Anne, uh, to a movie with Anne, and I was like, do you know how long this movie is? And she's like, no. It's like, it's like 45 minutes short of an endgame. And she's like, shut up. And I was like, yep, two hours and 11 minutes. Yeah. Um, 
Endgame is no longer on track to surpass Force Awakens, which for the first two weeks it was on track to take over Force Awakens, but it's not anymore. I think there's two reasons for that. One... One, it came out during the holidays. Oh, I, well, never mind. That doesn't help me. That is not my <laughs> argument. One, I think that the three-hour runtime is keeping folks away from the theater. It's harder to go back and see a three-hour movie again when you know you have to carve out at least three and a half to four hours to sit down and watch that movie. Um, not saying that, I mean, clearly it's not harming it. It's already made $770 million domestic. It's harming it in the, like... If we're gonna beat the, if yes. we're gonna go up against Apollo Creed, we gotta like train quite a Two, bit. Two, I think that studios came out punching. I think they put in their Rockies, so to speak. And like, sure, this the weekend after it, Long Shot came out, and that was pretty much it. The Intruder, like, there's definitely like, outside of Long Shot, it was a bunch of films that they were just trying to bury, get out, like, let's be in the wake of Endgame with there. But then, like, Warner Brothers and Lionsgate came in and they're like, yeah, I'm going to give you a little bit of a detective. I'm going to give you some Pikachu. Here's some John Wick. This is a popular series. Keanu's going to come for you. And, and they just start chopping away at it. Like, Detective Pikachu, I won't say is doing, like, bad, but it's not doing the, the gang numbers that I thought it was going to do. I mean, domestically, it's at 94, mm -hmm. but I'm sure worldwide it's doing super well. 200. Yeah. Um, and I think Endgame is still on track to be the highest grossing film of all time. Okay. Because it just has to... Highest grossing film of all time worldwide is... Are we doing worldwide? Worldwide. Oh, I thought we were um, just going to do domestic. Well, so there are the two things there. I, I You're right, it's probably not on track to be domestic, but it's at $2.5 billion right now, and it just has to get to 2.8 to beat Avatar. Worldwide? Yeah. Because we beat it domestic already. Yeah. So uh, the the worldwide one, which is the one that I sometimes will go to just because Avatar and Titanic have been the highest grossing films of all time, and that sentence, to be true, had to have been worldwide. Okay. So it currently, it's Avatar, Endgame, Titanic, Force Awakens, Infinity War. Those are the only five to break two billion. I would still think that Endgame could get there. It's got to make $300 million in the lifetime of its run, and it's only been out a month. That thing will play almost all summer long. We'll see. Yeah, and I bet it gets a small bump around the time of... Um, Spider-Man? Far From Home. Like yeah, yeah, Captain yeah. Marvel did? Yes, yeah. Do you have the domestic numbers near you? For what? Mm, all time. I can get there real fast. Like the all-time domestic? Yeah. Yeah. I'm there. What do you want? What you got the top five there? Top five. Star mm -hmm. Wars Force Awakens, Avengers, Avatar, Black Panther, and Infinity War. There you go. Nice. Sorry, Avengers Endgame was soon, not the Avengers. Yeah. We'll see. That That's going to be a close race, but I can see how it's not on pace anymore. Anyway, John Wick. John Wick knocked it down. Took it out. Said I'm going to win. I'm going to... Um... My expectations were... I just want to have some fun. I was hoping that the series wouldn't be in a downward trend because I like one. Two is a little messy, but I like it overall. Um, you'd, I, you'd put it in the collection. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, It is worth watching in like a John Wick rewatch kind of way. And when I watched it the second time through... I enjoyed it a slight bit more because I wasn't as worried about like trying to figure out the world. Like the world made sense. Let's just have some fun in it. Also, Larry. Also, Larry. 
<laughs> Three. <laughs> oh, that Larry, that Larry performance. Uh, three, I saw the trailers, I saw the previews, and my one hope was that there, there's an actor in this movie who I don't always care for. She is fine at best, but is very popular. And so my one hope was that she was being positioned in the trailer as if she was going to be a sidekick throughout this whole movie. And... If that was true, I was hoping they would give her something fun to do and that she could carry it. I'm not opposed to her being there in general, but I'm not the biggest Halle Berry fan. I found my third thing that I know her. Oh, okay. But I forgot the first set, the second one. The okay. first one is Storm. Uh-huh. I don't remember what the second thing I knew her in, or I've seen her in. Right. And the third thing is Golden Kingsman Golden Circle. Oh, Yeah. There you go. Listen. Uh-huh. That might be... That might have been like, oh, that's my favorite Halle Berry performance before. <laughs> before <laughs> Parabellum. <laughs> it's hard to say, Chuck. Hard to say. All right, uh, let's... I think that... Have we told the, our history of this podcast, uh, of the John Wicks before? Like That I was sad one day... <laughs> And I had my parents' car for the weekend. It uh -huh. was October. Okay. And I was in college, and I don't, I had, I don't know, why I had my parents' car, but because I did, it was like I can go to a Friday night movie, right? Be and not miss the buses and be stranded. So I went there. Had no idea what this movie was. <laughs> I saw the name Keanu Reeves. I said, "Just going." Didn't see, a, <laughs> didn't see a trailer, which might have been the best option didn't yeah. see a poster uh-huh so i didn't know it was an action film until right. it became an action film yep i was like oh i'm gonna watch keanu deal with his <laughs> wife's death for <laughs> two hours <laughs> like it was only like an hour 45 i think um i knew the time i didn't know anything else about it but i was just like okay <laughs> we're gonna do this Here we're we gonna go. go um and so did you didn't see it in theaters? So did I didn't you? see it in theaters. I'd heard many good things, but it just wasn't appealing to me. And like, I will say that my love of Keanu as an actor um, has grown since I've been doing this with you because a I've watched more of his movies and b I know in found succession. It, yes, the the best way to go in is just watch them all at the yeah, same in order. Time. Yes. Um, <laughs> We're and, not going to start with... No, don't do it in order. you got to start with Youngblood, and he's barely in it. And B, I found out who he is as a person, and he's a, just as being a good human overall. So I, at the time, was like, Keanu Reeves, like I said, definitely on a downtrend. I was like, what is what is this weird Keanu movie? I don't think he'd done a lot that was really in, like, the pop conscious. So I didn't see it, though I heard good things. And then finally I heard enough good things that I want to say it was, like, maybe a year later or something like that, that I finally rent this movie and um, I'm going to sit down to watch it. I'm texting Kylie and I'm like, oh, cute dog. Because like, I knew you liked this movie. So I was texting you. I was like, oh, cute dog. And then I literally say to you, if the dog dies, I'm turning this movie off. And I don't think I answered. <laughs> I didn't have a way to say anything. So I turned the movie off for like... I don't know, a couple hours. Because I was just mad at it. I was like, no, you can't do that to me. And then I go back and enjoy this movie. Um, and then we saw two in theaters together. 
and now three. Here we are. Yeah. Um. All right. So, are we gonna do spoilers and non-spoilers, or are we just gonna just do non-spoilers? What do you want to do here? What do you want to? I think that for the most part, we can do non-spoilers. Okay. Uh, maybe towards the end. When we just are kind of like, what? So like, what's next now? Okay. Yeah, we can yeah. kind of get into it. Um, I will say I didn't know anything about what this film was really gonna do. Yeah, and I think that is a real advantage. So we'll stay spoiler free pretty much for all of this, but near the very end we'll get some spoilers. Um, I like this movie. I like this movie a lot. Uh, I was impressed by the filmmaking here. And I think that that's not anything that is new for the John Wick franchise, but Chad, Chad Stahelski, good old Chad, he, um, he prioritizes filmmaking in, in this series. Not so much storytelling. There is a very loose story to all of these movies. And I think that chapter three is no exception to that. There is very little plot movement in this, but the aesthetic is beautiful. The world that he built is wonderful. He, a, a complaint that I had against Detective Pikachu was that it felt like there was this dark kind of noirish elements for the first half of that movie, and then it kind of goes away. This, it allows those noir elements and allows those neons and those colors and those lights and, and its world. It, we go to different settings, but we never lose the visual styles of this movie. Because the the way that the first film actually starts, you don't get any of that visual yeah. style. It's not until the police mm -hmm. shows up and the police lights are there and it's Jimmy and you're like, good old Jimmy. Uh, my favorite cameo of an actor who I don't know it is, but yeah. Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy's my favorite character. Are you going back to work, John? Be seeing you. <laughs> Um, once, once that, that happens after that first initial action scene, that is, we're, we're just, we're in that world. Yeah. And I like the way that he uses it to establish the heightened reality that we live in because that the world lives in, because it's not a real world scenario. It's a heightened world scenario. And he does that by simple use of camera angles, trickery and color and lighting. And it's really nice. The, these films are just visual treats to watch. He trusts his team that they're going to make interesting choices and they do so. Another thing that I like about the st visual stylings is the fact that we see the fights. He clearly likes the fight choreography. It's I mean it's it's his background, it's his ideas. He, you know, was a stunt person. He studied uh, martial arts of all different types. Like this is what he loves. And so he doesn't chop his way around it. It's not it's not shaky cam. It's not edited to death. It is long still takes where you're seeing the fights and you're seeing the action and I appreciate that because it helps me understand the story of the fight. And when you he makes a cut uh -huh. it actually like serves a, yes. serves a purpose. We'll probably talk about this a little bit later on in, in the next episode but someone like Gareth Edwards mm -hmm. um, who is the writer, director, and editor of the raid films uh -huh. he also is willing to make cuts in the middle of his fights but he understands how to make a cut and he mm -hmm. uses quite a bit of cuts but he understands how to use those cuts to still continue to heighten everything yeah um i think that in the john wick series i think that keanu 
you can tell he really cares about this, yes. how much he's willing to do everything. And Keanu is an actor who on several occasions has said that he does not do stunts, he does action scenes. Right. And that he does, to prepare for them, he does everything t- required to make sure that what they're doing is safe. And it feels so... Everything that happens feels... Not everything. There's There are a few moments where I'm like, this doesn't feel as real. But like... It's tactile, it's, like, it's gruesome, it's brutal, and you, like, feel the things that are happening. Yeah. Um, and when you're watching the actors, because, like, when you watch fight choreography, a, a, bad, a bad example, if you don't own this movie, I can't point to it, a bad example is episode three of Star Wars. Uh, yes. Where if you actually watch Obi-Wan Kenobi's face and Anakin Skywalker's face, it, they don't have any expression to them, or mm-hmm. they don't have any, like, and if they do, it's like, ah. Urgh, yeah. There's nothing really there. However, when I'm watching Keanu Reeves get like yeah. thrown in across the room, you're like, ooh. There are definitely scenes in this where a lot of them where he's just running. Um, and this happens to this franchise where you kind of realize, oh, Keanu's a 50 year old man, and like he's gonna break down, and some of this is really pained, and like, and I like that those are elements that they leave in the film to show his character and to show that everything has weight and stakes. Again, this is something that we'll talk about in, in our next episode. Also, I t- to me, a good fight is something where everything that happens happens for a reason, and then those actions have consequences consequences uh, consequences consequences a big the, the, a theme, theme of this maybe maybe <laughs> they said it to me like eight times so they really want it to be a theme <laughs> but is it well so in in terms of a, a, something that it does not do this well and though i love a lot of the marvel movies even something like endgame even something like a lot of those the fight scenes don't have consequences. There, You get hit by something, and then you're back doing a cool thing a moment later. Or you can jump it off and come back. And it's not just Marvel that does that. And but that, that comes with the fact that, you know, we're doing some superhero-y things. Yes. I think that the ones that they're most willing to show anything with, which kind of a dark and disturbing thought, is like Black Widow is one of the characters yeah. where if she is in an action scene, we might actually see her, like, yeah. like take a, like, take a, be like, ah, man. I guess to take this away from the superhero genre, like, the newer Die Hard films, mm-hmm. those are ones where he's like, or even a franchise I love, the Fast and Furious franchise. If those people get hurt, like, literally you can, like, give a few CPR chest pumps and you're fine. Like, like... Fast and the Furious, I was in a contender, one of those fights, because I do uh-huh. actually think that it has some brutality to it. It's the Gina Carano versus Michelle Rodriguez fight, right. which I think, like, in that, you do, f- because it's within a setting that's realistic, that mm-hmm. one actually does feel real. Yeah. These fights are somewhat ridiculous, but we're like, yeah, this but, is what's happening. But yeah, if you, you know if somebody gets stabbed or somebody gets shot mm-hmm. that's not going to go away unless you we literally have a scene about how that's being healed or something along those lines so that's some of the elements that i do like about the film um i don't the film's not perfect by any means i think that there are lots of issues with it um i don't what story there is to tell i don't love I think that, um, so, 
the film wants to, as we joked about, wants to be about consequences. But at the end of the day, the film's consequences don't mean anything. They don't they don't add up to anything in the world. And it does it does feel cheap. I think the last sequence of the film cheapens a lot of what the rest of the, the about chapter three specifically has been about mm-hmm. and what the relationships that have been established. Uh, I think that they it's the one time in this series where they did something to set up a future thing rather than just tell their story. And that bothered me. And I, 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 I do not appreciate that about this movie. Um, my biggest issue is this. I love the opening part of this movie. I love it to death. There is a fight sequence in an old antique shop with knives that is great. Is possibly, like, could have been a contender for my best fight scenes. Like, I think it's my favorite fight sequence of this movie. It is gruesome. It is well choreographed. It is, I was in awe of that scene in particular, as well as the opening fight sequence in the library. Um, that's a great fight sequence Versus too. Versus an, an, an NBA player? For, yes, of which I didn't realize until I was listening. <laughs> I was like, great, tall guy, perfect. But apparently he's an NBA player. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the mountain of a man. Yes. And we're like, oh, Keanu Reeves is the mountain, and then it's he's not. No, that guy's the mountain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then we kind of go through a sequence with Angelica Houston, where, as you referenced, we figure out who John Wick is, his past a little bit. A little bit. Not a lot of bit. I like that the film leaves mystery. There's some clear parallels trying to be made between martial arts and ballet. Like, there's some clear parallels that they're trying to be made. Especially, maybe even, like, martial arts, stunt choreography, and ballet that... that Ballet is an art form, yes. but it's also a physical. It takes a physical demand. Yes. Similarly to how a lot of this choreography has to do within the movie, and it's like this is also an art form. Mm-hmm. And if you do it wrong, it's not good. And you got to do it over. Do it again. <laughs> uh, we get Angelica Houston here. Angelica Houston is, I think, wonderful in this movie. I, it was just a breath of fresh air to see her again on camera, and I don't think she's acted in a while. Um, and for a moment, you're like, oh, he's going to get a sweet mother ca- Oh, no. No oh, sweet mother no, character. Yeah. No. I'm surprised he didn't walk away with, like, her handprint across <laughs> his face. Mm, kind of did. <laughs> oh. <laughs> kind of did. It's not across his face. <laughs> it is across, though. But, like... Shh, shh, shh. <laughs> but, like, the film... In the first film, you see that wicked tattoo he has. Yes. And you, like... Like, you can see some of the Russian stuff on it. So, like, you kind of have an idea, like, oh, but you don't know if it's his background or if he was, like, in Russia and right. <laughs> he was part of the mafia. Who knows, yeah. Um, but I do like that they open it up a little bit. What's funny is that there's this scene where you just see two boys wrestling uh-huh. and you see them do some moves and then later on you're like, Keanu's doing that move. <laughs> well, and she even says... Remember. Rem- or, or he says, somebody says, brings up old memories. Yeah. Um, Definitely not him. Yeah. He doesn't... He doesn't speak? John Wick only has quiet wit. He doesn't have, like, (laughs) two-on-the-nose wit. John Wick doesn't... Talk? Speak? (laughs) Except for the words, good boy. Or, be seeing you. (laughs) Yes. So we kind of go through this sequence, and I am on board for this movie up until we... He leaves for... Casablanca. Casablanca. 
There's a middle section of the movie which I'm going to skip over, and we get to the end where he returns to New York. Really like all of that sequencing. Really love the final fight sequences. Really love who he battles, how um, the the villain of the film and the sub-villain of the film are set up. I really appreciate uh, the, the there's a fight sequence between him and two folks at the very end of the film, which is just captivating as all get out, as well as versus the main attack. Like... Love it. And then we get to the very end, and I'm, I have some issues. We can talk in spoilers mm-hmm. about those. I skipped over this middle section. It's interesting. Yeah. This and I think John with Chapter 2 actually have the same, have one of the same problems. Uh-huh. Of that they open pretty well. Mm-hmm. The, the opening scene of John with Chapter 2 I think is actually really fun and really yeah. good. agreed. And I do think the end of John with Chapter 2, like, is very energizing yeah. and very fun and very good. It's this middle section... That it does tend to hurt the film, yeah. where like we have to we have to set up the plot and things, but like we also leave we we leave New York City in both of these, and yeah. that is the issue. Yeah. We need to stop leaving New York. We're New Yorkers. Well, and I will say that I like the Rome sequence better than I like the Morocco Morocco sequence. Um, the Morocco sequence, and now again, so this is the sequence in which we get Halle Berry, and Halle Berry was who I was worried about in this movie, and I will flat up straight and up say- And then right before you are like, Kylie, how long is she in here? And yeah. I said, I think I said 20 to 30. I think yeah. that was far too long of a number for me to give you. The other thing is that it's cut in between other scenes. Which help a lot. So I was like, as soon as I said it, I was like, we'll have no take back season. <laughs> I will say this. I don't- Halle Berry is not the problem. Halle Berry does a fine job with what she's given. She's kind of set up to be female John Wick. Like, it's a little bit of what she's set up to be. I don't love that choice. I don't think it's a very profound character in any way. I don't think it means anything to John Wick. But you could also then say that that was on purpose, and that's how this world works, and you could justify in those ways. I think that more or less she also shows just that people, what people are willing to do for this John Wick. Yeah. Because, like, it uses a plot point from the second one of, like, this idea of a marker. Mm-hmm. And that if you have made a blood oath, you have to follow it. She doesn't have to. Right. He's lost his... He's excommunicado. He's lost his, like, right to any rules. And so, like, she could actually just kill him. Yeah. And no one would care. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> she would earn... Fifteen million dollars at that point, and but the fact of the matter that she's willing to do this, and now she's not happy about it. She's yeah. not happy about any of the things that she's had to do, and like at the end of it, you see how unhappy she is with John in the end. Mm-hmm. But like, still, it gives you a sense of like, oh man, these people are willing to. And Angelica Houston does the same thing. Yeah, what we're willing to do for John. Wick. Yeah, and it's within the rules of mm-hmm. the universe, and that while they don't have to abide by them because of his status anymore, it is their personal moral code, which I think is set up really strongly in the John Wick universe. Um, and it's represented quite clearly in the Ian McShane character. And so I think that when you do that, you set up these moralistic characters, it makes sense for when they follow the rules, and it makes sense and it makes you wonder why they would break them. Um, 
so we're in we're in here and we got this sequence and she's got a bunch of dogs and there's a sequence here where basically there's a long fight sequence where they have to basically go from point B to point C to point D and then he gets to where he's trying to get to. That's where it drags for me. It's it's after the big set piece. Pretty much during the big set piece mm-hmm. to until he gets home to New York. And for me, it's because. A, I don't think that set piece is as interesting as the length of it says it is. I struggle a little bit with the use of the animals in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and though I know that they were done humanely, like that's not what I'm saying. I just, I personally struggle just with like the use. Just like a human. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Struggle with the use of the animals in this film. And we can go into the spoiler section and talk about that if we want to. They also rightly are like, no, no, everyone's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Everything's fine, everyone. It also, it it's that fight scene feels gratuitous. <laughs> it feels like, look at this cool thing we can do, and then we just keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And it's it it really saps the momentum from the film for me. That one also has one of the worst use of sense of space. Yeah. Where like they keep going through these things, and I'm like, how big is this thing? While with every other fight, yeah. I understand exactly. And maybe it's because I've been to a library, or because I've seen a warehouse. Yes. I understand. <laughs> Wait, you've been to those places? I understand exactly how much room and how big everything is, but like with that particular set like it just seems like it keeps going on and there's these endless rooms and I'm like how big is this place and like I never get a sense of like oh I never actually know where they're trying to get to because I'm like well they're trying to get out but out is all you know where is that yeah exactly and so I think that that's one of the one of the it's one of the poorer action scenes in this and I honestly I do think that one of the things and I know that this isn't her forte, but I don't think that Halle Berry is necess- was necessarily equipped with all of the skills. Yeah. And so they used... They did exactly what she could do. Yes. Instead of having necessarily an actress who was a little bit more... Which, it's interesting that you bring it up, because in the interview that I was listening to with Chad Stelsky, and if you want to listen to this interview, it is on the Big Picture Podcast, which is uh, by The Ringer, and it's it's uh, it starts out that episode. It's an interview with Chad Stelsky. He talks about... The interviewer asks, what do you do if an actor can't do the choreography that you've done? And very bluntly, Chad says, you change the choreography. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you can't... Your actor is your is your performer, is your tool that you're using. And you need to keep... You need to keep yeah. people safe. I think that yeah. Chad Stiletto... Stiletto? Yeah. Stahelski? Um, I think that he knows, with his work with... Uh, as a stunt choreographer, as a stuntman, as... As we've talked about a little bit with the crow and everything, he understands the importance of safety yes. on set. Yeah. And I, I complained in 2017. I, co- I, I complained on our Point Break episode that in the year 2003, it was like four stunt people had died in the productions of movies and television shows mm-hmm. because they had essentially told people, like, I don't think I can do this. And the people didn't listen to them. Right. I think that... That's one of the things that I appreciate most from Chad. Yeah, I agree. Like, if if you go out, even if you make a bad movie, if everyone's safe, I'm a lot more okay with that than if you go and make a great movie, but, oh, something horrible happened. And, yeah. And so, like, I think that he, want, he wanted 
to make sure that all of his actors were able to do something mm-hmm. within their comfortability and so that requires you to change what is happening yeah very much so so then after we get through the sequence and then we get to not a spoiler there's a desert shot so i'm just gonna say that in the trailer so we and get I to the desert hoping that was the end uh, of the movie? <laughs> like, when I saw that in the trailer, I was like, this should be the end of the movie. It makes sense. It's the third act, like, twisty twist. He, no, but... He, but that's how it ends. <laughs> that's how he gets away. He's yep. just walking through the desert. I love it. <laughs> I love it, actually. There, we meet a character, and there are actions taken that I think are are, are in character if the third act of the film goes differently, but are out of character with how the third act ends up going. And I think it just, to me, feels messy. And nothing else in this movie feels, or in this universe, feels messy. But I was very confused by motivations in the sequence. I was very confused by the characters. I didn't understand the point of the story that we were telling right now. I didn't understand Wick's motivation as to why he was accepting the things that were put in front of him. It, it That sequence in particular bothered me. I felt that there was... I, there seems to be a very clear thing that's set up about how... And I even lean over to annotates in the middle of the movie. I'm like, this character has to... It, it's going to be this character versus this character at some point in this movie. Clearly it had to be. And it was, for a moment. And then they took a really long path to get there. And then I think there's just a faster path to get there. Um, I think that something that might, that helped me a little bit with kind of with motivations and everything, because I will say that they're a little bit sloppy, and this film actually brought this point up, which I kind of wasn't sure about with John Wick Chapter 2, is I didn't have a sense of how long all of this had been. But apparently, Uh, these three films are in the span of two weeks. Yes, yeah. And so, like... Which, sorry, tiny little, like, l- like set thing that I noticed that I loved. When he's in uh, Times Square, there is a giant billboard for the musical Kinky Boots, mm-hmm. which was in 2011, or 2012-ish, when the first film is set. So, like, I, I just like that small detail that they're did, putting in. Did you see the Buster Keaton in Times Square again? I did. Yep, there it is. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. These films very much, like, the lineage of, of Buster Keaton's filmmaking, uh, though not his comedic elements, his physical elements, his choreography, his style. Like, it's... Stahelski is clearly a Keatonite. Like, yeah. he's on board with Buster. Because that's, fir- that's how the second one starts. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that with a little bit of motivations of things is that this character is essentially still grieving the death of his wife and like uh he he made a choice to re-enter this world and now he's dealing with that with this week of craziness and we're we're a little bit overwhelmed um which is like the only excuse that you can make with a lot of these choices that he's made and then there are these moments where he does meet these characters who are in some ways manipulating John Wick and playing off of that grief and things. Right. Um, especially when they bring in the, like, when anyone is saying anything like, what would your wife think? Or like, oh, do it for your wife, or blah, 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 blah. And those are, like, the moments where John Wick's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> A couple of things that we haven't chatted about. I'm gonna put a pin up here in cast members we haven't talked about yet, because there are some of them that I like that I want to talk about. 
We also haven't really talked about the gun violence aspect of this movie. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to talk about that in terms of the America that we live in today and that gun violence is a real thing in our society. It's a real thing in our world. And I, one of my complaints about chapter two in specific was there's this whole sequence where we're like with uh, Peter Serafinowicz and we're like, here, these cool guns. Look at the guns we have. Bigger guns, better guns, guns. Chapter three has a small sequence like that. It's not as, I think, big and broad, but he definitely has the line, guns, we need more guns, directly calling back to the Matrix in some ways. Um, and, And just... The gun violence here is prevalent. And I think that if that's a trigger for you, that this film's hard to watch. Mm -hmm. I think that this is a violent film. Not only with gun violence, with actual blood, guts, gore. If you have issue with eyeballs? (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) Just all... Like, it's there. It's a very violent film. And I think that maybe now, I think that there is the cultural awareness of what the John Wick series are. Yeah. And so, like, people, I think, are aware of, like... This isn't the thing for me. Yes. I mean, the second one makes it blatantly obvious mm-hmm. um, with its poster of just him standing and everyone has a gun to his head. Yeah. This one, this one to me seems, I'm not going to say that it's, it's good in terms of its gun violence and gun issues because it's still, I still think there is some glorification of gunplay. I think that's a true story here. Mm-hmm. I don't I think it pulls back a little bit. I don't I did I didn't feel watching the film as much that it was as in love with guns and gun violence and maybe as the second one as the second one was. The first one I think actually has the least amount. I agree. They they still have it but it's not like they incorporate it with action throughout. And I think they do a better job of that here mm-hmm. as well. Uh, and that's maybe because my the climactic fights of the movie seem to be... Hand-to-hand. Hand-to-hand. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, the best fights of the movie are also hand-to-hand. Mm-hmm. So, I, I'm not going to say that the film is better in that sense, because it, it may or may not be, but it felt like it was at least pulling back a little bit on the fetishization of guns and gun violence. Mm-hmm. The treatment of animals in the film, I think I really, I, my struggle is that, like, dogs. Dogs are huge in this franchise. There's the dog originally in the first one. There's the dog that we know is Good Boy. And then now we're introduced into two more dogs. Mm -hmm. And these dogs are used as attack dogs. And they're used as guard dogs. And I... I personally struggle with the use of these dogs as guard dogs because you have to train a dog to do that. Mm-hmm. You have to, and that a dog's natural instinct can will be enhanced if you train it to be aggressive and violent and think that this is an okay way. And even if you're training these dogs humanely to teach them, like this is an okay thing to do, like. Those dogs then have to go live with trainers and people who understand that that dog has been trained that it's okay to jump up and bite someone in the crotch. I don't think that's healthy for the dog, but I'm glad that it has a happy, healthy home. Mm -hmm. I also, even in just portraying them as guard dogs, like that's to me, you have to train them that way. And then people will then train their dogs to be aggressive and violent guard dogs because it's cool, like John Wick. I don't like that. That's something that rubbed me the wrong way. Not that I think the dogs are being treated poorly. I just... 
we've domesticated these animals. I don't think we need to then domesticate them and then turn them into violent creatures. I agree. I don't. I also don't think John Wick's the first thing to ever do it. Agreed. A hundred percent agreed. I mean, like police dogs. Yes. Like, that is a, that's yes. a thing. And so, I I when I saw that scene the first time, I went, Josh isn't gonna like this. <laughs> After our Pokemon talk, <laughs> Josh isn't going to be okay with all of this. Um, the only thing about it that even remotely... And, like, I, I'm i not trying to defend the film. I'm almost playing devil's advocate right. in ways of and it. And I'm also not trying to vilify the film in 100%. Because, like you said, and I agree, it's not the only thing that does it. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, is that it shows that, like, when we're just at... Um, Halle Berry's home, uh-huh. and, like, the dogs are there and everything. At first, they're aggressive, but then they're just, like, chilling and, yeah. like, pretty nice and yeah, everything. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, so... <sighs> yeah, it, it is a slippery slope. Yeah. I also, when I was watching that, I was kind of just, like... And, like, they do a thing where, like, this guy shoots a... Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think that's a spoiler. And I was just, like... I was just, like... Oh. oh. Um... How do you so how do you feel how do you feel about the horses? I so the horse <laughs> The horse sequence is one of my favorite sequences. Um here's my justification for the horses and maybe it is just a justification. I think it's really clear that the horse kick is CGI. Oh yeah. Like and so to me <laughs> Horse didn't have to do anything. Like the horse stood there, and then like These are the best horse trained horses ever. Yeah, so, right. Like, I've been around horses, yeah. and like you like clap your hands, and some of those horses are like, "Nah, bro, I'm out of here." <laughs> but like these horses, like there are people being thrown around and, and gunfire, and, and they're, they're like, like, "Cool, man." <laughs> I'm a Central Park horse. I've seen worse. <laughs> I've seen it all. <laughs> I was an elf. No worries. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, I think I think that the do- the dogs the dog scene I was just like yikes, but like, and yeah, and so I, I'm not like I said trying to vilify the film. Just to me, there are some things. It that... felt sticky and it felt a little gross, you know. And I wanted to bring up both the animal thing and the gun violence thing just because I, I don't want to out and out just say that this movie it has some problematic elements to it and to be aware of them. And I'm not I'm not all about canceling culture. Like I think that we can talk about things and we can be a part of things. Mm-hmm. There doesn't mean we have to embrace things that need to not be embraced. Because ultimately what ends up happening is in the end that we are responsible for yes. our own act consequences. We're responsible for our own actions. Wait, what? Regardless of what we like see. I remember I wrote at this paper about this and it had to actually do with Barbie dolls. But I brought up things like violence in movies and I said that it's a responsibility to some extent it is the responsibility of the creators to be aware of the cultural surrounding however it is also the responsibility of the viewer to be able to separate fantasy from reality yeah Keanu is actually very interesting in interviews when he like talks about this stuff and they're like because like if you've ever seen the videos of him on like the the park shooting stuff where like you run around and jump and everything right and like he's he's really good at it in real life and people are like so like why don't you go beat john wick and he's like because it's a it's a movie 
Yeah. And, like, it's just very much, like... <laughs> like, it's... Guys, please don't let this be, like, yeah. your influencer. Yeah, like, it's, it's one of those things where I can separate the fun Fan. and the fantasy <laughs> from the reality of things. And that if... If we lived in a world where there was a giant inter- interconnected web of assassins? highly trained, stylish assassins... I'd be one of them. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Kylie, I'd be dead, because Kylie would be one of them. Um, all listeners, from an earlier conversation that we've had, I'm pretty sure Kylie stayed at the Continental, so, I mean... What? Let's be I real. saved the Continental? No, you stayed there. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> but... You have to be able to do that. You have to be a discerning audience member. And I'm worried that we don't have a lot of those right now. Mm-hmm. You know, not saying that we're going to get people doing anything based off these movies. That's not what I'm saying. I also but... think, like, it helps that we see a variety of movies. Yeah. Where not everyone yes. does. Yeah, fair enough. All right, uh, this pin up here is about cast. Okay, I have a, th- I have a thing. Oh, you have a thing? Put yeah. this pin back. No, it's about the cast. Oh, okay, Pff, go. Okay, this has less to deal with the first one. The first one didn't have a budget. The oh, okay. second one uh-huh. ha- didn't have a budget either, but, like, we had some clout. Uh-huh. What I appreciate about these two films that I think that ch- chapter two and chapter three has done. And you know chapter one, Lance Reddick. But what it has begun to do is it ca- it casts a variety of people within these roles. Yes. So we have diversity, we have racial diversity, we have gender diversity, and we even have inclusion of LGBT plus uh, actors within this. And I won't, I can't necessarily say if their characters are or are not. Right. But however, with the inclusion of Ruby Rose and Asia Kate Dillon, we are beginning to open up this idea. Uh, we've been, we've opened up, you know, the doors to letting these two, I don't know if well-known, but these two known actors who are part of the LGBTQ plus community and allowing them to be, not front and center, but in the front and being seen right. is a good thing. Well, and Asia plays the lead antagonist of the film mm-hmm. and is given a ton of clout and is possibly the most terrifying thing in the movie, mm-hmm. you know? And so I like that Asia is given that role to just be like, no, you are the BA of all BA people. And Ruby Rose plays a mute character. Yeah. Like, that's... And John Wick knows... The assassins, he knows every language though. Yeah, ASL, assassin sign language. They got their own love. That's a good joke of the second one where like he goes to Rome. Not not even this has nothing to do with anything. He goes to Rome and like he meets the Rome concierge and he's like, Are you here to kill the Pope? And John John's just like no. <laughs> but the subtext is not today. <laughs> I'm thinking I'm back. But yeah. Uh I love the casting of this movie. I think that um oh, I knew his name and then I forgot his name. Describe the character. The main fighty antagonist. Mark Dukakis. Mark Dukakis. The he, Iron Chef. The Iron Chef himself. Yeah. How I always knew him, didn't know he was an actual, like, he didn't know he was actually a martial artist. I felt that I had, uh, what was nice about his performance and his character is, I felt like I'd seen him and I felt like he he just had this presence about him and that I, I had been with him before and then I went and did some research and I was like, I've never seen this actor before. 
I've not. I don't think I've seen a single thing Mark Tatakis has ever haven't done. Haven't you seen Double Dragon? Oh, I have seen Double Dragon. He's in that. Okay. He's nice. one of the. He's Jimmy Lee. Oh, okay, great. So, <laughs> Jimmy Lee sausages. Not. Oh, Jimmy since, Dean. Darn it. <laughs> not since 1994 have I seen this character, this actor, and <laughs> the Iron Chef. Yeah. Uh, and his presence in this film, just the way that he is in equal parts in awe of John Wick, and also like, oh no, I'm going to murder you, well, is. <laughs> so good. What so this pulls a, a reverse into the Spider Verse. Uh huh. Oh, okay. In which, like, he's like, "I'm like you, John," and John looks like, "No, you're not like me." <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that I think that as I was thinking about it, I think that the interesting thing about that is that I don't think that John likes this life, and while he had to do it in the Clearly past, he doesn't. He doesn't. Yeah. Well, the opposite is that Mark Dukat Zero, as the uh -huh. character's name is, clearly likes yes. the li that life. And so I think that that's one of the things about it that annoys John Wick the most about this character is just how much he enjoys the bloodshed. Well, and, and when he's like, we are both masters of death, he's like... To put it in some, some, I guess, more metaphorical terms, some more, I guess, modern pop culture metaphorical terms... Keanu Reeves likes to be the Bruce Wayne part of Batman, mm -hmm. and Zero likes to be the Batman part of Batman, you know? And that is how they're different. Mm -hmm. And that is, that's this fundamental thing that is their conflict through this entire movie. And the movie then says, the movie then picks a side at some point because you know who's going to come out on top. And I think that's a really interesting thing that the movie does. Love his performance. Love his character. I would... I want... If you're going to give me, like, John Wick spinoffs, can you give me that one? I want that <laughs> one. Uh, speaking of uh, John Wick characters that I love, Larry Fishburne um, as the leader of the Bowery. Wonderful. Amazing. Uh, I like that... W What's really wonderful to me is that the... Stahelski and his crew seem to know that we need to have different pitches and different levels to be in here. It's all the same tone. It's all the same thing. But Fishburne can be playing at 11 while Keanu's got to play it straight. You know? And, like, that that's this really nice weave that you get there. And, and uh, I just... Whenever he's on screen, he's electric. Uh, Ian McShane, I feel the same way about. Like... I even like Lance Reddick. La Lance Reddick. Who's the concierge? Yeah, I love him! He's throwing down jokes! Yep. Oh, this film, this film. So, like, like some of the other films, they have their jokes, but this this has jokes in this it. This has jokes. This has some yeah. comedic jokes in it yeah. where you're just like, oh, that's so hilarious. Yeah. Um, and so, like, that was also very, like, uh, like lifting and everything. Um, but, yeah, Ian McShane comes with a lot of, like, gravitas and everything, mm -hmm. but he, and it is heightened, and so, like, you get all these different, like, steps of, like, different personalities. Now, Halle Berry, I feel like, is playing at the same level as Keanu Reeves, which is one of the reasons why that middle part is just not as interesting. Yeah, because we're at the same part. But when you go up and down and you have Asian, Asia Kate Dillon, who, like, I don't, I don't it's, it's like a different <laughs> dimension. <laughs> but it works. It works so well. That it's just, like, I don't feel okay with anything right now. Those moments where Asia is sliding, sliding the, the coin. coin and you're like, yes! <laughs> I was never so into coin sliding! 
I just want this character to go up to someone and like slide the coin and the person be like, what is this? <laughs> what, do you, what do you want me to do with this? <laughs> American currency only. <laughs> Asia just tries to buy a hot dog with it. <laughs> Show me your assassin slayer inside of your hot dog stand. <laughs> The adjudicator just shows up to the wrong hotel. It's like a Super 8. I need to see the manager. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's not how this works. Do you have a reservation? <laughs> <laughs> I don't... I don't know what this is. But then everyone would have to die. Like that, that, That's the issue with our scenario, is that then everyone inside of that hotel dies. Or what if it's the the adjudicator just looks down and is like, "Sorry, wrong hotel." Speaking of animals, yes, we didn't get to this. Okay. This was a big concern of mine. Okay, because at the beginning of the trailer, you see Good Boy. Oh, Good Boy! You see him running. Uh huh. And then later on in the trailer, Good Boy is no longer there, and uh. I was just like, "Oh no, Good Boy!" Yeah, my favorite character, <laughs> the one we're most invested in. <laughs> and when he was like, and when he takes care of Good Boy, yeah, it's all okay, everyone. Yep. I just like I, I welled up. I was like, "Thank you, John Wick, for doing the right thing." I was really glad that the the character that he sends him to is the one character who I trust in this universe with Good Boy. Yeah. Like, okay, good. I don't really trust Keanu that much. <laughs> uh, let's do a quick because we've talked for a while. Let's do a quick spoiler section. Oh, well, it's only been like two hours, Josh. It's been two hours. It's been an hour and a half. Okay. Great. Quick spoiler section. Spoilers, 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 spoilers. We're going to spoil the film now. Spoilers, 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 spoilers. Turn your podcast off if you don't want to know. Spoilers, 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 spoil. Hey. Yeah. He's not dead. He's not dead. Um, oh, wait. Sorry. No. The he isn't Keanu. That wasn't what I cared about. Oh. It was actually Larry Fishburne. Oh, yeah. Because, like, when they're, like, seven cuts and then you see, like, him, like, get cut up, you're like, oh, he he's dead. Okay, but, like, I've seen movies and I was like, no, no. I, I didn't see him die. He not dead. I'm sorry, he fell in a pool of his own blood. Here's the other thing that made me think that he wasn't dead. Though, the John Wick franchise does a very good job of making cuts and shots and everything matter. So I was worried about Larry. And then the Ian McShane moment happens. And the Ian McShane so the moment ending happens. is... The end happens. <laughs> And basically, Ian McShane gets... An, uh, so, through the course of the film, the, the continental New York gets discommunicated, or whatever they call it, um, from the network. And then all hell breaks loose in the hotel, and at the very end, Ian McShane is given an opportunity by the adjudicator to go back in. All he has to do, kill John Wick. So he does. Shoots him, shoots him, shoots him, shoots him. Shoots him so much that he falls off the top of the building, does the comedic, like, bounce-off things, and then hits the ground. At that point, I figured Larry Fishburne was still alive, too, because Keanu wasn't dying. What if that was just, like, the end? I like, John Wick is dead. I would have rather. Like, if that's the story you're gonna tell, like, that's fine. I... I don't. I have issues with this ending. 
with, uh, with Ian McShane shooting him. Yes. It is out... To me, it seems very out of character that he would just, like, great, off him to the point of being dead. If he, like, shot him and then, like... It was all part of a ploy. It was all part of a ploy, but, like, no, he shoots him off the building. He is legit trying to kill him. I don't understand... I said earlier that Ian McShane represents the morals of the film and how they're consistent. They follow the rules... This breaks the rules. I don't understand why Ian gave up everything and then got it back. John Wick then... still likes Kimi Nakado. Yes. He could still just kill him. Why not? Let's I... go for it. He uses he uses John Wick. And, like, when they, they show the scene of him in front of, like, I don't know, I'm pretty sure it's a chessboard, but it's yeah. got some funky pieces. And I was like, when the first time that happens, like, I'm still not, like, totally on board with Ian McShane. Uh Um, And so, like, I think that, to me, Ian McShane is just using him as a pawn in order to get what he wants. And that is his point at the beginning of even the final third act. I guess I just don't like it. I like when I like that character because it was neutral. Mm-hmm. You know, I like that character because what it the, it represented like we have the high table and then we've got But the, then John Wick also still broke the rules. He was under the high table. He was supposed to kill Winston. Yes. And because he didn't kill Winston, he is punished for it by Winston who was under the high table now. <sighs> <laughs> yes, it all makes sense. It's just convoluted as all crap. Like, this is what I was talking about where, like, you could get to John Wick vs. Winston much faster. You don't have to go through weird sand desert guy who's the high table maybe, but also probably not because they're not going to show us the actual high table. Um, it's not Pedro Pascal, by the way. It's not Pedro which Pascal. Which I... Definitely thought was the case while I was watching the movie. It's <laughs> ah man, I looked up his name and I don't remember what it is. It's like Sai something or other. Syed Tajmaoui. Yep, that guy. He's French American. Great. Um, John Wick cuts off. His... Oh, he's Samir and Wonder Woman. Ah, John Wick cuts off his finger to get back into the to the high table table, and that doesn't seem like anything John Wick would really want to do but also he his reasoning for why he wants to this is the second movie that I've seen this year where I'm like I don't have as much will to live as this guy does like that's just a true story uh (laughs) sorry Anne I don't need to remember you I mean (laughs) I do need to remember Anne but like I don't get it I just don't understand his, like... If everybody in the world is coming after you, what do you... And this will be your permanent state forever. Like, John Wick as a character doesn't want to be in the high table. He doesn't want to be an active assassin anymore. But he chooses that the only way to live at this point is to be an active assassin in the high table. Because, like, before he doesn't want to be an assassin because he wants to live with his wife. Yes, he wants to... And then, like, after his wife's death, it's kind of like, well, this John Wick character doesn't really have anything else to live for. And so, like, his only reason to live is to remember his wife. And so the only way for him to live is to become an assassin because the only... Because if... I'm assuming he can't just kill the high table right now. But, like, why not? (laughs) Like, come on. John Wick's the new high table. (laughs) I'm flipping the table. (laughs) 
So, I guess to me, the the film, the the logic of the film, I guess works. It's just emotionally, I don't buy it for a lot of the characters, mm-hmm. and the Ian McShane turn as to now being like against John Wick and it's clearly set up where it's going to be the Bowery Boys versus Ian McShane's crew and the High Table as Chapter 4 as Bellum the war for New York it's interesting I'm not I don't love this setup I think that to me if that's where you wanted to go I didn't need this weird middle segment in the desert just give me that movie now mm-hmm. you were easy enough to get there you had enough pieces of the puzzle to put it together. What I'm worried is that Chapter 3, which I think is a great movie. I really like this movie. It's not perfect, and I have, as I'm saying, lots of issues. It'll be a filler chapter. Because 4 is going to be the movie where it's like... It's, it's Infinity War, and Chapter 4 will be Endgame. Well, no, Chapter 4... This is like... I don't know. Doctor Strange... <laughs> That's what I felt about the second one. The second one feels like uh, two towers to me. Yeah, like, because four is clearly going to be, we got to take out Ian McShane now, and five is going to be, we got to take on the high table, and like, six is, I don't know, Assassin's Creed. Like, I don't I don't know what's... Well, I think that once we take out the high table, that's the end of it. So we'll never get there. <laughs> When they no longer think the series, when Keanu is no, no. longer able to do these things, where we've taken out the high, he's table. just gonna like pass on the John Wick title. Yeah, the ballerina, the Baba Yaga, mm, the ballerina. Josh, yeah, I'm gonna tell you something. What's up? Terrifying. I found on Wikipedia. Okay, what'd you find? I don't know if it's true, but I just need you to endure it with me. Okay, that's yeah. on Wikipedia. So, so you who go, knows? you go to the John Wick uh, page, okay. right? Mm-hmm. And it ha- it's the franchise. Uh huh. And you you hit uh you hit films and you're like all right john wick john wick chapter two john wick chapter three ballerina (laughs) is the next film in the franchise called ballerina yep it is in development and you know what it's about that ballerina who was dancing for angelica houston yes was that an actor was that an actual person yeah, it was not CGI. It was a well, real person. <laughs> Sorry. Was that a person that they're going to let lead a movie? I don't know. Okay. John Wick uh, Chapter 4 to be announced. Uh, there's this thing that says potential crossover, which can never happen. It's for the, the atomic blonde. And I'm like, no, no. Here's how things work. That took place in the... 80s? 80s? Uh-huh. And, and John Wick takes place in 2012. Yeah. And oh, that would mean we'd need to. I guess we could meet in the middle. Time travel. Yeah, if the only thing is like, the ages just won't line. Nope, we can't do it. We can't do it. I'm putting. No, do not bring up time travel. No. <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous franchise doesn't need more ridiculousness. But that's the thing about this franchise is it's not until <laughs> the moment where I I'm really hoping that this is an outlier, not a jump the shark. But until the moment where Keanu Reeves survives falling off a skyscraper, this film is based in reality. These films are based in a heightened reality. Mm-hmm. Heightened is a key word there, but it's still a reality where that that feels and seems real. Yeah, he's gotta have like all the broken ribs. He's gotta have like all the broken everything. <laughs> like Keanu Reeves' next movie is him sitting in a 
bed, wrapped up head to toe, and the only thing he's open is his mouth, and he's like describing via headpiece to somebody else to how to be John Wick. Alright, so what you're gonna do is you're just gonna flip your leg into their head. <laughs> Hold on with your thighs and then take him down. See that knife? Grab it. See the other one? Grab it. Now throw. He does the Black Widow move where he like, yeah, kills people he with does. his thighs. And I'm like, I've never seen a man do this. It's, that to me is, I'm really worried that we're going to jump a shark here. So, I hope we don't, but I think we did. Who knows? Ballerina, coming soon. Uh, yeah, my number one film of the year. I really like the, I like this movie a lot. It was fun to watch. It was, uh, the action choreography was really amazing. The filmmaking on display was wonderful. Again, 2019, it has, nothing's blown me away yet. John Wick, Chapter 3, Parabellum will not end the year as my favorite movie. Who knows? Um, I'm not even sure if it will end the year ahead of Endgame. It probably will, but like, great. What, what if? Uh-huh. You just don't go see another movie. What, what if I don't? <laughs> Kylie's gonna like make sure I don't watch any other movies until 2019's over and then she's like oh this is what happened she's gonna like update my Netflix password take out your kneecaps like Like, I'm gonna come up from work and my tires are gonna be slashed (laughs) oh hey Josh let's go this podcast would essentially just like end you're like I wanna do only old movies now alright Josh what do you got in your collection Never been kissed. Oh, never been kissed. <laughs> it's a film that makes me a little uncomfortable. Now. Uh, what? What? No, it's fine, right? We're gonna we're gonna just pretend it's not. Fi- it's fine, right? It's it's all good. It that's yeah. No, there's some gross elements <laughs> in that film. now. yeah. There always was. We're just aware of them. You ready to do the um? Ready to do the the Planet Hollywood game here, Kylie? Oh, oh wait, sorry. Do you have final thoughts on Parabellum? No. All right. I'm just going to read this straight to you. Uh-huh. George Clooney is one of many TV stars who also make movies. Name others. Okay. TV stars in movies. Okay. You ready for this? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to get the first guy's name. Okay. Okay, I got it. Steve Carell. Randall Park. Mm. Um... Billy Bobby, Millie Bobby Brown. Sarah Michelle Gellar. Uh, I couldn't come up with Allison Hannigan quick enough. <laughs> there you go. Did you see that pop I'm buying? The Buffy and Faith one? Yeah. I was so on board with it. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Now I have, I have all the Buffies now. Nice. Not all the Buffy characters, but I have every iteration of Buffy. There you go. Yeah. Uh, well, friends, if you want to join this conversation... Do you want to send me any more Buffy Pops? I'm missing Xander. Okay. <laughs> Is that it? Well, I'm technically missing the Faith solo. But I don't know if I need it. I mean, if you got all but one, might as well. Okay. I mean, it's not like you... I ha- don't have the gentleman, because I oh, do yeah. not like the one that don't want that in my room. <laughs> will, will that be one that you just turn around? You just see the back of that box? Oh, you're going to go down in the bottom corner... You're just where. So- Can I tell you what I think are the most terrifying ones? Which ones? The Charlie Brown ones. Oh, I haven't seen them. They look weird. Like somehow they managed to take these characters that were. It's blowing up the eyes. It's the eye making the eyes bigger. Mm. It makes those designs look really strange. 
I don't like the first iteration of the Toy Story ones. Like these are like the old ones, oh, not okay. the newer ones. The newer ones they figured it out yeah. a little bit better. They made the fate the heads bigger. I don't much care for the Snoopy one. No, yeah, I don't like any of them. Oh. They're just because there's no other real discerning features on their faces except for the eyes. Which is, which is usually the case, but like, yeah, I mean, like. It's even less so with these and the hair. Ugh. Yeah. No go. Yeah, I, no, yeah. I only get the cute ones. Hard pass on those. Yeah. All right, friends, if you enjoyed this conversation, and why wouldn't you? You can do so at friend of a friend podcast at squarespace.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. It was a five star review or any star review that helps us get more listeners. You can also hit that subscribe button. Uh, be seeing you. You can also find us on Facebook at Friend of a Friend Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at DWT underscore podcast. YouTube. Ducks Watch Together. Tumblers. Ducks Watch Together. Letterboxd. Derby ACT and Kylie Gallisher. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. You're welcome. I've been Josh. I'm Kylie. Quack, 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 quack. Be seeing you. It's Baba Yaga. Is that the new... <laughs>